Do you want to protect yourself and your business from anything unjust that may come your way? Then this podcast is for you. Former Utah Attorney General John Swallow has helped thousands of people protect themselves, defend, and find justice during his 30 years of experience in law. If you're looking for honest and helpful legal advice, then we have exactly what you need on Case Closed with John Swallow. Welcome back to the show with former Attorney General John Swallow. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great to be here with you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for all the advice that you've been giving us these last couple of shows. We've heard from so many that is just so helpful. And I'm just I'm just happy to be able to sit here in this room with you today. <laughs> Thank you. So, John, we are going to tackle a, a topic today that I feel like there's a little bit of a cloud of misunderstanding or a little cloud of confusion. And that's kind of going into insurance claims versus lawsuits. So I think a question that a lot of people ask is, what is the difference between an insurance claim versus a lawsuit? Like, is there a difference between those two things? What's your insight? Well, thank you. Good question. Uh, First of all, let me just say that insurance companies are generally involved when they have insured someone against a loss that could happen. So typically, you're talking about a business or a, a person who owns a car who has insurance, who's caused an accident or an injury or missed something that they had a duty to protect against. And as a result, there's someone who's been hurt or injured or lost something of value and that is covered by the insurance, right? And so there is a difference between a claim and a lawsuit in that when you are injured, usually the first thing besides taking care of yourself, if it's a personal injury, if you've, you've been hit and you've broken your arm or you've had some other type of an injury, the first thing you want to do obviously is take care of yourself, get better. And, and most lawyers will tell you and insurers and anybody else will tell you what's important is to make sure that you're taken care of and you heal up as possible. Soon after that, you'd be well advised to contact the insurance company Usually you get that insurance information from the person who hit you. Usually in an accident, the police will come and you'll exchange insurance information. You've probably seen that before, right? Or um, if you've fallen on a slippery sidewalk in front of a business, or if, you know, if, for example, a recent client of mine had purchased a very expensive piece of property and had purchased title insurance, and it turned out there was a problem with the title to the property and contacted me and we made an immediate demand upon the insurance company. That's called a claim. You submit a claim, you get a claim number, the the insurance company will uh, assign an adjuster to work with you, try to understand what the situation is, and then give you the insurance company's response. That's the claim, and you'll have a claim number and move forward on that basis. A lawsuit, on the other hand, is the next phase. So once you have a claim, and you see things are going maybe not so well with the insurance company, then you always have an option within a period of time called a statute of limitations. Usually it's between, it can be as short as one year, uh, and maybe even shorter depending on the jurisdiction and the type of case, or it can be as long as, say, three or four years. In most cases for an injury, an accident, in many cases, in many states, it's four years uh, to to file from the date of the the accident itself, the injury 
four years to file a lawsuit. If you don't, then it's barred by what's called the statute of limitations. So you can file a lawsuit because you can't resolve your claim with the insurance company, right? Sometimes, depending on the insurance contract, I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, it can also become an arbitration proceeding, which is different from a lawsuit in that a lawsuit is governed by the courts, and arbitration is usually more private and is done with both parties engaging a professional arbitrator who sometimes is a retired judge or a, a former attorney or a current attorney who has a practice in arbitrating cases. And the, the impact of an arbitrator, the decision of an arbitrator, usually carries the same weight as that done by a court, but usually it takes less time, uh, less expensive, and it's certainly more private than a lawsuit. And the insurance contract or the policy sometimes will require arbitration versus a lawsuit. And in an arbitration, there isn't a jury, so insurance companies are liking the fact that, that they don't have to go before a jury in many cases, so they will insist on an arbitration of a matter. And in Utah, where I practice, if there is an arbitration requirement, then the courts will enforce, because the legislature has said if there's an, an arbitration contract, that makes it so you can't go to court. So those are very enforceable, at least in my jurisdiction and likely in other jurisdictions as well. I know that's a long answer to a good question. What's the difference between a claim and a lawsuit? And th those are the differences. And there are probably others. Well, I, th I think that just that answers so many people's questions because I feel like a lot of people out there think that it, you either have a claim or you have a lawsuit. But from your definition, you have to have a claim. And then if the claim doesn't really go through or go perfectly, and I don't know if they rarely do, then that's when you have to take action and get a, a lawsuit involved and everything else after that. Is that correct? Right. The lawsuit really is where a third party comes in and makes decisions where if it's just between you and the insurance company on a claim basis without a third-party judge or an arbitrator, then you're really trying to deal with just convincing the insurance company that they should pay a certain amount. And if you disagree, then you go to the next step, which is a lawsuit or an arbitration proceeding. Gotcha. So kind of going more into the little bit of the, like just a simple definition of the steps or the process, starting off with a claims process, what does that kind of look like? I know you touched on it a little bit, but what does that whole process go like? And then at the end of that process, if things aren't settled, what does the lawsuit process look like in just simple terms? Well, so I think, I think to answer that question, I think you first have to understand the various interests that the different parties have. The system that we enjoy in America and our in our justice system, in our civil justice system, is inherently what I call adversarial, which means that each side has its own agenda. And we assume that each side will push their, their interest as far as possible. So on the, on the insurance company's side, it's to reduce as much as possible what it has to pay out on a claim. For the injured party, whether it's a physical injury or a financial injury, like with the, um, you know, the example I used where the title insurance was involved and there was a, a lien on property that wasn't discovered, it's to recover as much as possible to uh, fully compensate the injured party for the injury caused by the negligence of the person that purchased the pol policy to insure their property or their car or whatever it was, right? So the first thing you would do, the step, the process would be to recognize that there is that 
inherent adversarial position. I've never experienced an insurance company that said, let's just ask you what you think is fair and we'll write out a check. It just makes no sense, right? So I had a client just a few months ago who was injured at a ski resort by the lift chair. I don't want to get any more details than that because I don't want to do violate any privilege or confidentiality, right? And the insurance com- company decided after it investigated that it was at fault and it offered what I would call not nothing, but certainly not very much in damages. And so my client got an attorney involved and ended up receiving five times more in settlement than what was originally offered by the insurance company. And they'd written it up in a letter and made it sound like it was really generous. But their goal, again, not that they're bad, that they're inherently bad, but they're inherently motivated in an adversarial system to reduce the exposure that they have and the costs that they have. So my client, first of all, contacted the, the ski resort and immediately after the incident, explained what had happened and then detailed in a record in the complaint submission, everything that happened from their perspective. The next step was the insurance company asked a few questions, talked to their own employees about what had happened, and either confirmed or discounted what was reported by the person who was injured, my client, right? And that started that process of investigation. Then following that investigation came the offer from the insurance company. And then my client contacted me, and then I was able to negotiate a more favorable, for lack of a better word, payout from the insurance company. Now, if, if the insurance company hadn't come back and agreed to what my client had asked for or done something very reasonable or very close to that, the next step for my firm would have been to file a lawsuit. Okay, so you contact the owner of the property, you get the insurance information, you submit a claim. Now, many times you want to engage an attorney on the very front end of that because sometimes there will be things that you don't want to say or shouldn't say to the insurance company. A lot of people I know are more than fair in their lives. They're really good people and they're willing to take more of the responsibility for what happens just because they're inherently good people and inherently kind and generous people. A professional, a lawyer, can look at a situation and do some initial due diligence and quickly determine what's important, what's material, and what's not material. For example, just this, this is kind of a, a humorous example. I had one client, and I can share this without any concern for violating privacy, who had taken her daughter to the hair salon and was sitting in the hair salon in a chair, watching her daughter get her hair cut and colored. When a car ran through the wall and the window of the salon, hitting my client who was sitting in a chair watching her daughter's hairstyling and severely injured my client, which was a terrible experience for her. My client initially felt somewhat responsible that she'd gotten out, up out of bed that morning. This is just how good people are. And put herself in a situation where she could sit by the window and get hit by this car. And I just, 
almost laughed out loud. I, I controlled myself. But my point is, is that if she'd had her way, she might have taken some responsibility for being in the wrong place at the, right, at the wrong time. But as her lawyer, I was able to communicate clearly, which was obvious that it wasn't her fault at all. It was the driver who hit the accelerator instead of the brake as he was pulling into the parking stall and ran through a brick wall, shattered a window, and injured my client. It was 100% his fault and 0% my client's fault. And so on the front end of a claim, it's always good to talk to a lawyer. You can talk to a lawyer. Usually a lawyer will talk to you without charging you at all for an initial consultation. And make sure you understand whether you have a good case a good valid claim, and then to help you put the claim together for presentation to the insurance company. So that's the first step. Contact, make, submit the claim with help or not, and then wait for a response or an investigation, provide information, get yourself the treatment that you need so that you're taken care of physically. People don't understand that in almost every state, if not every state, there's what's called personal injury protection in an insurance policy, which will pay for the first three to $4,000 of medical expenses at no fault. So no matter who's at fault in the accident. So you can go to a hospital, you can go get treatment and be assured that there's $4,000 worth of coverage regardless for your emergency medical expenses, whatever it is that you need to get yourself as taken care of as possible. Also, there are health insurance policies most people have that will also cover your health issues if you're in accident. So there's never a reason not to get treatment if you're in an accident or if you're injured. Make sure you take care of yourself and give yourself every reasonable chance to get better. Then depending on how things work there, usually there's a period of time where you're recovering, where we really don't know how extensive your injuries really are. Many injuries take a long time to manifest themselves. And that's why you have usually a four-year statute of limitations between the time you're injured and the time you have to file the lawsuit. Now, if, it, if it's against a governmental entity, in many states, you have only a year to send a notice of your intent to bring an action against a government entity. So again, talking to an attorney on the front end of an injury will give yourself all of the protection that you need to make sure that you're not missing a window that could be truncated or shortened because your defendant happens to be a governmental entity, right? and then work with that attorney and then make decisions together and then trust that attorney if he's competent to be able to kind of navigate your case up to a lawsuit being filed. Which leads me to another point that I think is really important. There are some firms that seem to want to settle more than other firms that, want to, that are willing to litigate to get the best possible result for you. So it is important to you that you understand that the attorney that you choose to help you in a case is committed to doing whatever is necessary to represent you vigorously up to even filing a lawsuit and going to court and trial if necessary to make sure that your interests are protected. And so it, I raise that only because the lawyer does make a difference. Just like if you're being treated for something at a hospital, the doctor that you have makes a difference. And I can tell you stories from my own family, my own life, where I wish I'd had a different doctor working on my family member of mine than, than I actually had. And so it's the same for lawyers, it's the same for doctors, it's the same for dentists, it's the same for any professional. It's probably the same for electricians and plumbers, right? Who you choose can make a real difference. So what you're saying, John, is uh, it's not a question of should you get a uh, lawyer involved, it's what type of lawyer do you need to get involved in these certain situations? Because just like you were saying, there's so many different types of 
scenarios when it comes to laws, when it comes to insurance claims, when it comes to these things, and you really need the right person. But how, how do you find kind of that right person and what, what different scenarios would warrant or would warrant kind of filing a claim or a lawsuit? Well, let's talk about the lawyer side. I, I've had the blessing or the curse, I, depends on how you define it, of having to, having been a lawyer on the one hand, and then having to actually hire a lawyer to, to represent me on the, on the other hand. So I've, I've, I've had the, the opportunity to, have, to see both sides. And, and my wife, when, when years ago she was injured in a serious accident, we worked with a firm. I decided that I was too emotionally close to the situation to actually represent my own wife in this situation as she made a claim against an insurance company for an injury that she occurred when she was in a head-on collision with our family. Fortunately, no one besides my wife was, was injured and my wife's left arm was broken in half. And so she needed some help and, she, and, and we felt like there was clear negligence on the part of the person who ran the red light when my wife was driving down the highway and, and struck our family vehicle. The, the point is, is it's a very emotional time and you need to try to find someone who you think will be re very responsive to you. And so having had the situation where I've actually had to engage counsel and actually represented people as counsel, I well understand that the type of lawyer you find and the person you find is important. In my practice, it's been drilled into me from the first time I worked in a law firm that I want to get back to my clients the same day they call me, the same day they email me, and that most of the complaints against lawyers are that they're just not responsive or they just won't act aggressively enough to support what you want to have happen. So ways to find lawyers, there are different ways to find lawyers. A lot of people will just kind of go on the internet and try to find someone. They have to understand that in almost every case that that lawyer is professionally trying to promote him or herself the way that they are. You can look at ratings. I really like word of mouth. If you find someone who you trust that has worked with lawyers before, then that's a really good way to find someone who's had a good experience with a lawyer who can then introduce you to a lawyer. And if that lawyer can't help you in your specialty area, they usually know someone that they trust and they're willing to recommend to you as well. Um, but finding the right lawyer is very, very important and critical. Someone who will stand up for your interests, who will listen to what you have to say, who will be responsive and who's actually knowledgeable about the subject matter. That's very, very important as you go through trying to repair the damages that are done by someone's negligence. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on that, John. By the way, my wife fully recovered and she's doing just great. And we're grateful for, for the help that we received at that very important time in our life. That is so amazing to hear. Kind of rolling into our, our last question, um, talking about claims and lawsuits and all these things. Is an insurance company your friend? What are your insights? What are your thoughts on that statement? You know, you can't, you can't listen to that question without in your mind listening to all of the jingles that we hear on TV and radio and see in the social media, right, about insurance companies talking about, you know, how they're really out for you. You have to just always keep in mind that for them, it's a business. They report to their owners or, or the, the, the bottom line, the profit is important to them. And, and so I go back to every example I can think of, and I've never had one in all my career where I felt like the insurance company really was on my side. And I think any attorney who deals in the areas of personal injury or who represents clients before insurance companies, I don't think any of them would 
disagree. And there are a lot of things insurance companies can do to make it difficult for you. The attorneys who work for insurance companies, as much integrity as they may have, work for a client. And they can make it very difficult to get a resolution. They can spend a lot of money in depositions and getting ready for, for court. And it's very difficult for an individual to be able to afford to spend the kind of money on the other side to stand up and get ready to go to trial. And that's why many of the insurance, many of the companies that represent individuals who've been injured will uh, work a, what's called a contingency arrangement. And you have to understand that even those contingency arrangements can be negotiated with a law firm. In other words, in America, we have choices and, and we can sometimes negotiate a better rate on a contingency. But the important thing to realize is that there are contingency arrangements and the devil's in the details on those arrangements. And when you have an opportunity to work with a lawyer and they send you a representation agreement, you should read it carefully and make sure you understand it thoroughly. You can even, and this is probably going way overboard, but you can even actually go to a lawyer to ask them, to another lawyer to ask them if you think the attorney's fee arrangement is reasonable. And that might be just a little bit out there, but again, every word on any engagement agreement is enforceable as a contract. And so you should definitely read it, definitely feel free to ask questions about it, understand what it means. And lawyers, as you're dealing with their agreements, will be honest with you about what every term means and explain it to you. And then you can ask around and you can decide whether it's a reasonable agreement for you. But is an insurance company your friend? The insurance company is on the other side of the bargaining table when you are injured. And so you can never assume that you're, they're your friend. You have to assume that they're the adversary and that if you don't have equal weight on your side, you will never reach the middle point of fair with an insurance company. And that's just because of the inherent position that they're in, not that they're evil, but their motivations are on one side of the table and your motivation is on the other side of the table. And if you don't understand that, then you will never be treated fairly. The only way to level a playing field is to have professional counsel on your side, leveling things up and advising you all the way. And then making sure that you have an insurance, uh, an attorney firm, a, a law firm, right? That will go to the mat for you. It's not just looking to make a quick settlement and make a quick buck and move on. Thank you so much, John. You have answered not only all of my questions and enlightened me, but so many others out there. Are, is there a place where people can kind of ask more of these questions, more of these simple questions? Is there a place where they can go to in turn? Well, yes, but as I answer that, I wanna just talk about why we're doing this. We want the regular everyday American who may not understand what their rights are to have a place they can go to get educated on what it's really like. I've, I've spent 30 years in the practice of law. I've been a private law firm partner, corporate general counsel for a large corporation. I've been the, the attorney general for the state of Utah. I've had a lot of experience. And one of the things that gets me up in the morning is the ability to talk to people and let people know what it's really like on the inside. I want people to understand what it's really like out there and educate people so that they can make choices. They go out into this litigious world and they could even say, you know, tongue in cheek, so sue me, because I understand what my rights are and I'm gonna enforce those rights. I invite people, if they have a question, to go to my website at askjohnswallow.com. Let me and my team listen to what your concerns are and without giving you quote unquote legal advice, because we can't really do that until we're retained if we ever, ever are, we want you to, to uh, understand what we think and, and be able to find a solution that works for you. So go to askjohnswallow.com and I'd be happy to 
have my people look at whatever's on your mind and see if we can help you and decide whether or to what extent we can formally, professionally help you as well. Thank you again. You heard it from him. Please feel free to like and go to that website. And thank you so much for joining us today.